welcome one and all to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Ahoy, ahoy, Pete. Ahoy, Matt. Ahoy, everybody. Here today to talk to you about Season 1 of Star Trek Lower Decks. Matt, such a blast. It really was, and even in the in the speed in which we, we must be podcasting this, not this episode, we're going to take it at, at, at warp one. We're not going too fast for anybody, but uh, to have podcasted episode 110 just a couple of days ago, knowing that we then are going to be previewing uh, the return of the flagship Star Trek Discovery in a day or two ahead of its return and podcasting that next weekend... You know, what a joyous time to be knee-deep in Star Trek, particularly the celebratory tone that Lower Decks has. Uh, Pete, I found myself thinking today, I agree with all of the decisions uh, for the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery being on the darker end uh, for Picard, although I, you know, I, I have enjoyed Picard less than you, but we're in the modern TV MA world, post-Game of Thrones, etc., etc., Boy, it was nice to get something that just reveled in slightly more old-timey, you know, lighter, brighter, sillier. It was very, very welcome, particularly with the dark world that we're living in. It's not that I didn't trust that they'd be able to find a balance between reverence and, you know, comedy and tone. But boy, like 99 times out of 100 with decisions on this show, they nailed it. And that comes right from the top. That comes from Mike McMahon being an absolute super fan. This is a guy who did the Star Trek, uh, the next generation season eight Twitter, which for a long time was just, you know, a, a day brightener. Okay. And they put this in the complete right hands and, you know, just episode after episode, week after week, finding a, a way to make it even better than the week before. And it's not like they opened at a, at a low bar, but just in particular, the, the last like five, six weeks, one after another, after another, we kept hearing it from other people better than the one before. I think part of part of what we do with our podcaster hats on anytime there's a new show, uh, you know, in its first season is to try and decode what are the rules of this show. And I think back to I think back to that first episode and nobody was expecting the uh, the Mariner Freeman twist at the end. And all of a sudden it was like, ooh, there's more weight here. There's more questions. There's there's more to the show. Uh, yes, it. It followed through uh, in that episode and every week on the promise of more episodic and lighter and silliness and jokes and things of that sort. But, you know, the real spine of this first season was that mother-daughter relationship and indeed many of the interpersonal relationships for all the great external conflict of, you know, of uh, phasers and away missions and things of that sort. It really was about the internal and about the emotional. It was, and I appreciate the clarity and nay, even um, Tony Newsom had said, you know, in the in the New York Comic Con panel uh, from last week that we had podcast about as well, that 
she was going online and seeing that people weren't quite clear. Do, do people know about uh, the relationship? Do they not? And and building to that, and like I said with our uh, finale podcast the other day, not making the episode solely about that, that it's part of it, but that there was obviously other stuff going on in this crisis. Again, just story, story, character, character. Look, I assume that Tawny Newsom, though she is host of the official Star Trek podcast, I assume she was talking about our podcast. I assume oh, she's well, not well, allowed. Complete, completely. You know, and, and Tawny, again, thank you for listening. Uh, you know, CBS PR, no doubt, continuing their 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 vengeful uh, their vengeful feelings, etc. But you know, I, as you say, Pete, Tawny, thank you for listening. But it has been heartening to know that uh, a the the talent involved with the show is out there listening to the audience. Uh, obviously, it comes with a double edged sword. But I think you know when you tune out the wackadoos, when you tune out Pete, in my mindset, the I mean, tune out those that are on the other side of the Romulan neutral zone, which I know is not exactly kind of canonical in, in you know, the Picard era. But you sit and say, you know what, there's a neutral zone between us and we're not going to bridge this gap. Once you once you stay on this side of it, you know, to to know that there's this fan community that's supportive of the show, enjoying the show. And as you said, Pete, we've been hearing more and more from people as the weeks have gone on where it's just. It's fun to be back in this. Yeah. And if I look back on favorite episodes of the season, it's it's a really difficult decision. It's a really difficult decision. You know, last week, the recency bias of the finale and, you know, we're, we're going to talk spoilers because better have seen the whole season uh, to this point, you know. I said it the other day, the moment they mentioned the Titan again, like, all right, we know that Frakes is a friend of the program and, you know, directing Discovery and Picard and he's available and around and, you know, he makes time in his very busy schedule for Star Trek and vice versa. And boom, to have the Titan. I mean, this will be the Star Trek Jeopardy question, you know, when the, the Titan became something seen on screen for the first time i mean 18 years ago uh we're we're having him shipped off uh to that with the end of the the next generation films and, and that iteration of franchise films and you know now for them to show up and and bail out the cerritos the the next generation fanfare blaring okay um and not played for jokes which again i think that this show balanced so delicately and only came across when we saw uh mcmahon and the the voice cast in july august september and then october in in zooms um <laughs> Pete, I don't know where to start. I'll start with this. the That odd circumstance uh, of seeing them so much in, in these online panels, you know, it's something that we reflected on for our New York Comic Con panel, that all these things go on, you know, especially San Diego and New York, but all these, all these panels go on, but normally if you attend, great, then you have that that in the moment thing otherwise it's 
Let me just read an article on TrekCore. Hey, there's some really great pictures from like row 15. Awesome. Hey, the professional photographer pictures look great. Oh, hey, here's STLV two or three years ago where you could see uh, Frakes and LeVar Burton in the background uh, behind the behind the curtain uh, while uh, Patrick Stewart is speaking. Awesome. But it's all through the lens of somebody else's experience. Um, but to have had these lower deckers with us for all these months in you know 30 minute in, uh, uh, installments in these virtual uh, conventions and you know obviously not the two-way in terms of i'm not actually sitting there saying oh my goodness there they are but they're in a sense they're almost closer because they're right on the screen uh face forward as one does with a zoom it, it, it i think it's it's led to a closeness that otherwise might have been like you know no 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 it's a it's a closed set so you're not going to get much social media or you're not going to get much uh, you know, reporting from outside the the soundstage, lest somebody who's not wearing uh, the trench coat over there, you know, surprise uniform or something like that, lest secrets be spilled. So it's a it's a lockdown environment. Um, here, it's just been more open. I almost feel, Matt, like I'm a member of the writers' room with the the level of contact that that's gone on with these zooms and of course i kid and again mike i'm available so let me know but uh yeah i just the the commitment the attention to the fans and you know we we've we've received feedback from listeners hey don't give the the haters the time and i greatly agree with that um but anybody that thinks they are making this in some way to to harm Star Trek just does not understand the level to which they honor their commitment as part of this legacy now. Yeah, and indeed, you think of how the show was constructed, not just with those, you know, the obviously the the Mariner Freeman secret baked into it, but also just some of those quieter longer term arcs you know i think of uh, rutherford's perhaps romantic feelings towards tendy and then you know it's never fully explored never is it or, or also it's not exactly pushed like it needs to be explored but then you realize you know ah it's dashed on the rocks at the end with his memory loss and whatnot things of that sort it's almost difficult to say as we oftentimes do what are some low lights or what are some areas that didn't quite measure up one really gets the sense that this lower decks 10 episode uh you know four hour experience it is what exactly it wanted to be and it's mm -hmm. kind of like you might say well i enjoyed some things more and some things less but it's not like eh, i am unconvinced uh, about the fate left for uh for the exocomp at the end no it was played for laughs and it was kind of like just desserts in our cartoon it, it all it all did what it wanted to do yeah and, you know, whether it's the finale, whether it's the outstanding episode before a crisis point, you know, that is a love letter sending up the conventions of the Star Trek film franchise, whether it is episode six, Terminal Provocations, with everybody's favorite breakout character of season one, Badgie, okay? I mean just hit after hit after hit. I have a colleague who is going to get around to watching this. He's finishing he's getting around to things a little bit later. Uh, he's finishing Watchmen. And then this is next for him. And, 
I can't wait to see it again through his eyes. It's interesting to think, too, that in the early days of the pandemic, it was like, no problem, we got this. Uh, I, I I am seeing after the fact, obviously after the fact now when you, see, when you hear the date, but Trekcore had a story in August that um, some elements of the production timeline were shifted or thrown out. Uh, and I know we had discussed probably in the lead up to to Lower Decks, which Pete, it's it, it's weird to sit and say, wait, this show August was forever ago. Oh wait, this show started ten weeks ago, which was also the beginning of August. It just it shows the weird time time currents that we are in. But the notion that the 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 timeline for the show um, reaching air was moved up probably moved around whatever it was it kind of was like time for everybody to step up in order to in order to let discovery stay later and for post-production and all of that stuff uh you wouldn't know it looking at the final product here it just like i said it just feels so cohesive and it's so it's it's so exciting um and the only downside is we're gonna have to wait till probably next summer or fall to get season two but at least we have that assured and we're not sweating out. Okay. Is this coming back? Um, so it, it, this was a gift from beginning to end. And now you think that we're 10 weeks, 10 episodes into this 23 week, uh, Star Trek. Is it a binge? Is it, is it the way, uh, that's the other franchise, but, uh, is is this what it will be now? I mean, they're not going to get Picard or, you know, the Section 31 show or uh, Strange New Worlds done in time to to fill the gap at the end of Discovery. But, you know, we still have those to look forward to in addition to more Lower Decks, more Discovery. And who knows even, Matt, what else is out there? I mean, we got the Prodigy announcement for the Nickelodeon show that Kate Mulgrew is joining the cast, reprising her role as uh, Captain Janeway, as Admiral Janeway. Um, so there's that to look forward to. I mean, Star Trek is robust right now, okay? Uh, and to think that all this is going on and, and not being reverential to what came before, well, that's just people being uh, stubborn that... Uh, I will never watch a Star Trek cartoon because Gene would never be involved with a Star Trek cartoon. <laughs> As for forthcoming Star Trek content, let's do a little math in reverse here. Um, at whatever date the 23 weeks of Star Trek was announced, which would have been sometime in July, which yeah. then firmly set uh, Discovery starting on October 15th and concluding on January 7th, um, that... In my mind, that then gave enough warning. My mind first went to, hey, when production does start in the fall for uh, for Discovery Season 4, if I'm CBS, I'm going to say, let's build in immediately some uh, short Trek stuff. Hey, it's March, it's April, this shutdown thing is no joke, it's going to last a while. Uh, we need to build whatever it is, write it, write it good, make it so it can be shot quick. Um, right. Gee whiz, one character trapped in a sealed off place would be make for a really good story. <laughs> but then Pete, it occurs to me, hold on, there's another production that's been in constant production this entire time. I would bet that we see some animated um, 
short track type stuff, even if it is, I don't want to say hastily put together as though like, Hey, Mike McMahon, stop what you're doing and quick draw something. But you know, in that spring, early summer time where they're putting together 23 weeks of Star Trek, that could be a point where you sit and say, Mike, if we need to give you August 20th, 2021, instead of August 5th, 2021, so be it shift resources to give us three 10 minuteers um, of your choosing, or let's start that creative discussion, whatever it is, because we need that in, you know, I mean, shoot Pete, if we can get three 10 minute uh, lower deck short tracks and throw in another three shot live action on the discovery sets, you know, CBS wants to milk one a month for six months, starting in February. I mean, Pete, that gets us to a point where life yeah. hopefully is normal. And if it's not, then frankly, we have bigger problems. If we're still <laughs> if we're still dealing with this thing full blast. Phones and Beverly and all hands on, on deck uh, at that point. Yeah, I agree. It dawned on me watching um, a couple of the, well, I watched all of the New York Comic Con Walking Dead panels. There was a showrunner summit. Um, and then they did one for each of the current shows, the flagship, uh, fear the walking dead, and then, um, the new one world beyond. And so they're going to have an anthology show tales from the walking dead where they can visit anybody at any time. And I'm like, yeah, star Trek has that, that's short tracks and they can do anything granted can they can they go to the next generation no they can't i mean you've got the picard era stuff you've also got however uh lower decks so you could do that okay can they go to the original series or that old those old scientist timelines if i'm gonna put my uh ransom uh hat on for a second which is probably really gross but um, they, they could do that with, uh, strange new worlds. Okay. Um, we've, we've got the far flung discovery time frame. I mean, they really can let that become in essence, an anthology series. And like you're saying, maintain the level of subscription. Cause I'm sure a lot of people are like us when there's no track on CBS all access, uh, soon to be paramount plus old fantastic geek uh pulls the plug for that time i mean i have my picard blu-ray that arrived uh last week the last of uh my birthday presents from my wife and just have been uh luxuriating in watching it on a 60 inch flat screen something i'm not able to do because cbs all access is garbage <laughs> um itself as a technical thing not the content on it yeah i mean pete i've already uh i've already told myself to be really really excited for uh for watching the stand on cbs all access when i dust off the account um you know for short treks in the spring or whatever it might be i think i think if i've done the math correctly not all of the stand will be in the same billing cycle it also includes uh the end of discovery and all that you know which look which is fine i think in the past in the in past years of the podcast it's been you know i will gleefully cancel instead this is just like no when i'm done using the thing i will cancel and 
we're deep enough now into the Kurtzman era of Star Trek to know, uh, frankly, to know why there is more Star Trek, why it is varied. And the answer is because we're voting with our dollars. And, you know, if along the way people are enjoying some of the other things that they have, so be it. But nothing has caught fire for their service the way it has, uh, the, the way Star Trek has. And hence, what, this, this year, 2020, in addition to all the terrible stuff, the first year ever when there were three separate uh, series of Star Trek to, to premiere with new episodes. And, oh, Pete, let's not forget, do you know what happens on December 31st of this year? Um, the pain ends. <laughs> do you know what happens in the world of Star Trek in the United States on December 31st, 2020? We and I guess, I guess uh, and January 1st in the rest of the world. We conclude the year with the most Star Trek shows ever. We in the United States and Canada, our, our partners and friends in Canada, finish 2020 on December 31st with the 800th episode of Star Trek. Wow. I don't know if that was always the plan. Um, and frankly, Pete, if originally it was supposed to be Discovery first, uh, then Lower Decks before the pandemic slowed down post-production, um, this this conclusion of Lower Decks, episode 110, would have been a very fine 800th episode of Star Trek. But I will take live action Star Trek in the future you cannot possibly imagine. Uh, it's not the season finale of Discovery. Uh, this is episode 312, not 313. But I will take that to close out 2020 with a modicum of hope and the knowledge that seven days later there will be you know, even more Discovery, albeit in the season three finale. That's pretty cool. And again, this franchise, 54, almost 55 years now into its existence with all these shows, with three on the air in one calendar year in a, in a pandemic, uh, most of it, no less, um, continues to chug on, uh, is super healthy despite the naysayers. And it, it's not going away in terms of the amount of content. You know, we've heard so little about the Section 31 show, but work continues to go on there. Okay. Strange New Worlds. Finally, Matt, officially. Okay. They can talk about it. Janeway now coming to Prodigy. Okay. Picard, uh, you know, Sir Patrick has seen the, the first you know, half of the scripts and of course is bullion about what they offer. Okay. Uh, the, the future is bright. It is. And I think if, if that's not only the takeaway for the state of star Trek, but also the feeling that we have after, uh, this season of lower decks to bring it squarely back to that show you know, it it does show this buoyant future. It does show this optimism. Um, yes, it's with it's with that personal feeling of you know. But Boimler has broken up the band and these characters that we really buy into after you know what ultimately or or in in a previous generation of television would have been a very short time. Ten half hours is is not much, uh, at least in the old way of doing things. But to see. To see that we are all delighted by the delighted by the episode, but a little uncomfortable that everybody isn't back right where they started, that's that's in the sweet spot of modern TV 
that still is enjoying the old way, but but still is thoroughly in the 21st century. Oh, completely. And, you know, you would have seen in past iterations of Star Trek, if that were to happen, heads would explode. And that's even with, you know, best of both worlds cliffhangers and you know i think of the excellent end of season three voyager you know scorpion uh cliffhanger which you know just had me counting the weeks until september came from june and you know granted the the distance between seasons is longer now in in television in general particularly with these high test properties i mean star trek is super expensive and involved to make but okay so i'm i'm good on you know mariner and boimler for right now but i get burnham and saru at all uh this week and then by the time they've had their adventures you know whoever else will be on deck uh, it, it's an exciting prospect. Um, it's keeping this universe as fresh as could be. And again, albeit reverent to what's come before. And, you know, it, it's a shame that the, the producers, the creatives need to kind of hit that as a touchstone every time they speak. Um, so that the, the people who are up in arms about, whatever they are this week. Um, the, the 59 times that Kurtzman has been fired, um, just don't seem to understand that they, they care. They're not stripping this franchise for parts. Okay. That Sir Patrick has returned to Star Trek after we thought he was done to me tells you everything you need to know about the vitality of this franchise. Pete, if we turn our attention to some fair criticisms of the show, again, to me, it's tough to find uh, much that was that was wrong with it. Looking back in the season, um, I think I would have liked to know the bridge crew a bit more. Uh, we did get plenty of them, don't get me wrong. And I think that, again, they were delivered up in the way the show intended, because, of course, this is about the Lower Deckers, not the bridge crew. Um, but just a little more... I don't know, a little more um, a little more oomph there. How about this way? Maybe it's not even a criticism, criticism of the first season. Perhaps it's just a, a recommendation for next season. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked, and, and I firmly believe it, it's really show-run culture that the, the first seven episodes of a series – is all you have until the the cake is baked in terms of what it is and how it's going to proceed. And whether you're looking at this or whether you're looking at discovery and, and discovery is many different things in those first seven episodes, but by the end of the seventh episode, you you've established, okay, takes place on the discovery, not on the Shenzhou, Okay, these are our core characters. We've now firmly headed towards the types of adventures we will see on a, a regular basis. Okay, um, yes, we we knew the whole premise of the the lower deckers. Um, the balance they have struck with 
the bridge crew, uh, that's important that you need to be able to play off, uh, you know, really, really works. But there, there were some wobbly moments uh, early on. You know, I found in the in the second episode the the Klingon uh, envoy getting away from uh, Mariner and Boimler along for the ride. I found that a little clunky. Um, there was the episode uh, midway through with Boimler's girlfriend that I think there were some, some concerns about from a, a story standpoint, that one felt a little forced to me at times. Um, but like I said, you know, you, you hit the last four or five, boom, 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 one after another, uh, just really worked. And, uh, you know, Badgie fixes all. Yeah. I think, you know, if there was a bit of a, if there was a bit of a growth process, maybe it was in that episode two, episode three range between, you know, the, the clear pilot nature of the, uh, of the first episode, having the, the audience proxy char- character with Tendi, uh, and then settling into the flow of things. But, you know, Pete, I couldn't agree with you more that, that Badgie is now a, a beloved character, a beloved villain. Um, Maybe you know what when I think about it, Pete. Maybe one one area of uh, of fair criticism. I liked the Q inclusion. Um, maybe it was a little. For me, the ratio of of fan service and uh, kind of freshly opened present dazzle. It was more that than it was kind of serving the story type stuff. Like for example, the Titan and Riker occurring. Um, the Titan had been mentioned enough in the background. It also is kind of a larger question, a, a, you know, a small one, but it's, it's been a, maybe not a large question then. It's been a, a long looming small question in our minds. And then to kind of have a little setup, a little setup, then it appears that felt more paid off than, than the Q stuff. But am I complaining that there was too much Q stuff? Absolutely not. I'll take it. You know, I'll, I'll take it. I would have appreciated if they had held that, um, secret as a cameo. So then when it happened, I mean, we were waiting and, and looking for it. Uh, and then it happened. It, it was underbilled, though, you know, back when we were talking about it, I, I think Star Trek days when they mentioned it and, you know, we got far, far more than we thought we would get. So again, our cup run is over. So, Pete, we are recording this on uh, Monday, October 12th. Uh, tomorrow, the Trek the Vote virtual uh virtual uh party virtual convention uh and uh we certainly will be attending and we're tweaking ever so slightly uh what we're going to do in support of that in terms of uh, us having a fan zoom um if you donated to that effort uh you can check this podcast and check our social media uh for a new link where you could just say hey i attended it or hey i have i have supported uh the campaign in general uh, and we'll uh, we'll get your email from that, and we'll send you a Zoom link uh, for this upcoming Saturday. That's Saturday the seventeenth uh, in the evening, probably six seven p.m. In there, we'll we'll finalize that before we send the email out, just to have our own our own uh, USS Fantastic Geek Star Trek hangout sesh and discussion. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Desperate times, Matt, call for desperate measures, and you know we tends to not be political on the shows here but um 
you know, that that Star Trek feels passionately enough about our future and a bright and hopeful version of our future and is throwing its support behind this. Um, I think we feel very much in line with that. Um, I'd be lying if I told you that with my former full-time journalism background that I felt completely comfortable doing this. I'm, I'm still fighting that a little bit. I, I don't really like uh, people understanding <laughs> the political choices that I might make. Uh, but I, I think given the super unusual nature of where we are right now in the world, uh, again, those, those desperate measures need to be taken. So I will sacrifice the privacy of what I do in a, a polling booth uh, in order to hopefully with this grassroots groundswell here, incur some needed and important change, uh, you know, in, in a pandemic, um, in, a, in a time in our world where we need to acknowledge, uh, speaking as two Caucasian men, that people of color are not getting a fair shake, uh, that changes uh, not only must be made, they have to be made. And I think that's what is so uh, so fitting that there is this big Trek the Vote push. Um, just because if, if on any fundamental level you support the notion of inclusivity uh, and openness and, you know, and if it's not a cliche thing to say in a Star Trek podcast, infinite diversity and infinite combinations... And if those are values you hold dear, and those are the core Star Trek values, uh, then that sense of opportunity that, that far too many people are denied, that sense of equality that far too many people are denied, you know, we want to perpetuate the sense of equality and diversity and openness in a time where, A, a there's been the groundswell in the opposite direction from, from uh, the wrong sources, and you know, the, the gains that have been made are, are, have been pushed back and are at risk of being pushed back even further. So to me, it's just a hand in glove type thing. And, you know, though there's going to be a political element to be sure at the Trek the Vote um, convention, it, it, of course, being a political fundraiser at the end of the day, um, I'm expecting the best two hours of Star Trek content with some political stuff thrown in there. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's a good time had by all and it leads to uh, more Star Trek times, it leads to a good USS Fantastic Geek Zoom on the 17th, and it leads to good good outcomes in November and beyond. Yeah, because, you know, a, a science fiction franchise, the, the science part, you know, who knew that would ever be uh, questioned in 2020? But here we are you know, having to implore people to put on masks to prevent the spread of a disease we still don't completely understand, but know that when two people are wearing masks, the spread is dramatically lowered. I mean, Pete, let me put it to you like this. Did Khan have to convince his people to wear earmuffs on SETI Alpha 5? No, it was obvious. It was gross. <laughs> it, it, it was and and yes they were a bunch of uh of you know super smart genetically engineered super people 
Um, but Pete, that means they also weren't dumb. That means they knew the risks. They knew what they had to do to prevent the spread, uh, especially after uh, uh, ooh, Khan's wife uh, from from the original series, uh, Marla, Marla I think. Marla McGivers. Pete, I wanted to say another Marla who <laughs> very tangentially figures from into the, this whole from the Packlets. Uh, <laughs> Another Marla who who briefly was on stage in in New York and had 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 uh, some other things added to her name and whatnot. But I digress. Um, yeah, hopefully hopefully this is our small way of making uh, not even making. How about contributing to a meaningful impact? And I know this Pete past tomorrow's Trek the Vote uh, convention. Uh, in the neighborhood of, not even in the neighborhood, on the 13th, on this upcoming Wednesday, we, of course, will be properly previewing Star Trek Discovery Season 3. So plenty of Star Trek on our radar talking today, watching convention tomorrow. We'll do Discovery and then share some of the share some of the Star Trek highlights from the Trek the Vote, uh, the Trek the Vote thing on Wednesday, and then you know, back into more new live-action Star Trek. So... Uh, it, it's shaping up to be a very, very unique week, Pete. Yeah, and excited for all of it because God knows we don't need the forward-looking optimism. So, Pete, I'll just mention one more time that listeners can keep an eye out uh, in the podcast description here and on our social medias if you have given to the Trek the Vote campaign uh, to uh, to let us know, and we'll we'll invite you to our fantastic geek Zoom this upcoming weekend. Uh, Pete, how can people talk to you about the Star Trek things they learned at the Trek the Vote thing? Uh, their <laughs> thoughts on Lower Decks, their anticipation for Disco. How can they be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K E T L A A R eleven thousand five hundred ninety-two followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the PH all one word like it today. Well, when it comes to Star Trek, I look forward to the continuing adventure. For now, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Talk to you soon.